Reviving the Wounded Heart. Week one of our study, we looked at the people who hurt. And we found and came to the conclusion that the people who hurt, that hurt us the most deep, the most deep is those who we're closest to. The confiding friends, the family, the even possibly even the church family. All these potentials of hurt that can come our way. We saw that in week one. In week two, which was last week, we looked at the peril of hostility. And basically, hostility in the mind displaces peace in the heart. And peace, as we understand, is a state of untroubled, undisturbed well-being, while hostility is a state of opposition, resistance, and even warfare from within. And the question we posed last week is, which one rules your mind and your heart, or your heart? Which one is it that comes and, and constantly plagues you with all these different thoughts of, of inner struggle? And so last week, what the attempt was to look at the effects of hostility as it relates to who you are and what you're going through. And so this morning, what I want to do is uh, kind of review last week and then finish up a couple of points I didn't get to finish up last week. But first of all, the effects of hostility towards others emotionally affects us. We can become calloused, isolated, and even angered. And we talked about this last week about how our anger can either explode or implode. And both are both, uh, when it comes to the, what happens within us, it happens when we implode or, or put it inside of us or when we explode on other people. And we see that both of those are not good. And then spiritually, we're impeded, we're encumbered. We can become unfruitful, which gives the enemy a stronghold in our lives. Not only that, there's extensive, it's an extensive deterrent to our own spiritual growth. And so we see these things as they relate to our hearts. And then mentally, we can become bitter, vengeful, resentful. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, as we saw last week, it says, Let all bitterness... Let all bitterness with its wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And we see that there's commands that God gives as it relates to how we are to conduct ourselves when those things come into our lives. And then this week, what I want to focus on is the path of bitterness. What does it look like? How does it play out in our lives? And I've showed you this before in the past, but the, the first thing we see is the bruised. And it's really that idea of not addressing the hurt. When we're bruised and we're sitting there with the pain of it all. For some of us, we go to a point of shock, especially when, when it comes from those who are closest to us. And, and, and so we're kind of in a daze when that hurt comes our way, when we're not uh, prepared for what we are encountering. And then there's the blind, not realizing the damage of the heart. And so many times, that's where we find ourselves. We don't realize what that hurt is actually doing to us when we're not uh, uh, dealing with it in a way that God desires us to deal with it. And then what we call the bound, not understanding the bondage of hurt. Some people, when they are hurt, basically, and we discussed a little bit of this last week, we, we become a victim or we take that victim mentality. And for many people, they like the attention uh, being a victim brings them, even though they're covered up in all the pain and the struggle and the suffering of it all. The bound sometimes don't realize they're under the control even of the enemy. 
And he desires to, to bring damage and do more hurt in and through them. And then if there's a progression that leads to where God desires it to be taken, there's also the broken. And, and basically with the broken, they're shattered by the hurt. But God, but God, that's when God intervenes. When we get to the point where the broken, when we're shattered under the burden of our hurt, and we allow God to bring the wounded to the place of healing and forgiveness for the offender, then God begins to do a miraculous thing in our hearts. All of a sudden, our hearts not filled with that hostility anymore. All of a sudden, we're flooded in understanding the grace he imparted unto us, and now we can extend that grace even to others. One thing I've found when it comes to dealing with hurt, at least personally and seen through other people's lives, is that many times it gets worse before it gets better. And I'm just here to tell you, it does. It's very much similar to grief. If, if we've grieved those who we've lost as, as loved ones, and all of a sudden we go through this range of emotion, we go through all these different things, and, 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 and many people say time heals those things. Well, it does in its own way. If we properly deal with those things that are in our heart. But what we find is that God will bring us to a place of brokenness. To a point in which he can actually do a work in our lives. And then we see the effects of hostility relationally. Relationally we can become unkind, unsympathetic, unforgiving. And the reason we see this is because what happens many times is when we're hurt by someone, when we're hurt by something, someone, sometimes we just kind of shut down. We don't trust the people who are out there anymore because those who are closest to us have hurt us so badly that we don't open ourselves up to relationships anymore. And all of a sudden, we become disconnected with those around us. We begin to see that, and that distrust begins to, to not only evolve, involve that relationship I had with the person who hurt me, but all the other relationships in my life. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. When he says to be kind, here's what it literally means. And this is hard in the face of hurt. It literally means to provide what's needed in the relationship. That even though this person's hurt us, even though this person has possibly come into our lives, done their damage, what we're commanded to do in the midst of all that is still contribute to what is needed in the relationship. And sometimes it is, what's needed is reconciliation. Sometimes what's needed is hard truth being spoken into that other person. And then he says this, tenderhearted. We're to become compassionate to the very one who hurt us. And let me just say this from personal experience. I knew when God was doing some healing in my life when I was wounded years ago, I began to see that I started having compassion for the other person. I, I began to quit focusing so much on what my hurt was doing to me that I began to see what this other person was dealing with. And I, I started understanding the insecurities that, that revolved in their life and the hurts that they had and how their hurt hurt me. And then the compassion came. And then, of course, the forgiving. Another and lastly, the last of the effects of hostility is physically. Physically, physically we can become stressed, even diseased and exhausted. Psalm 38 
David was uh, basically talking about a sin, the sin with Bathsheba, where he committed adultery and even murder. And, and he basically began to describe, and he did this in several Psalms, but in Psalm 38, he literally says this. He says, there's no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, speaking of God, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden, they're too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. David was basically seeing a parallel between his health and what was going on in his life because of the sin that's there. And here's a sad note, and we all got to come to this realization. When we've been hurt, we have great potential to sin even in that hurt. And I'm telling you, I've talked to people one-on-one. I remember experiencing it myself when I went through my hurt. I, I remember just thinking, how is it that I'm the one who's the victim? I'm the one in which sin was done unto me. There's another offender out there. How can I be the sinner in the midst of all this? And yet we can. When we're commanded to forgive and not forgive, we're in the same boat. And I don't know about you, and even counselors uh, uh, in the secular world are starting to see this, that when we harbor this resentment and bitterness, it does, it affects our health. It comes in and causes all kinds of health ailments. And then we read in Acts 3.19 in Paul's sermon, he's basically getting to the bottom line, and here's what he says. Repent, therefore, and be converted. Why? That your sins may be blotted out, not just from the realm of what God and how he sees it, but also as it relates to you. When it comes to your sin and the bondage that you're carrying, how do we know this? So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I don't know about you, but when hurt came into my life, the way it came into my life, I, I felt disconnected, not just from people. I felt disconnected from the Lord also. And what he's talking about, he's basically saying, when you do it the way I've prescribed, when you do it the way I've commanded you, then guess what? There will be times of refreshing. And the refreshing part of it all is you'll sense the presence of God in your life in the midst of the healing that begins to take place in your life when you begin to move in the direction of obedience, of forgiving another person. And it's amazing how you see this. And then today... I want to talk about the path of healing. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Now, as you turn, listen to this. We read in God's word, love your enemies, turn the other cheek, bless those who curse you. Now, none of this is possible without forgiveness. But why is it so difficult? C.S. Lewis once said this. Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have to actually forgive someone. I mean, you hear that all the time. Forgiveness is next to godliness, and forgiveness is all this, and it's a great virtue to have and all that. And all of a sudden, we've been deeply hurt. Guess what? It becomes a whole different story at that point because it's personally touched us. In Matthew chapter 7, here on the screen, I told you last week that Jesus said this. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad, or easy is the way, that leads to destruction. You see, if we just kind of let ourselves go in this world, and we just kind of let our emotions and let our flesh dictate where we are, he's saying it can lead to destruction. And, and, and that's really a point of what he's trying to make here. You see, we find these, these verses on the Sermon on the Mount, and basically the Sermon on the Mount is how to bring the, the reality of the kingdom of God here to earth. 
And, and it's not just a salvation passage. It's a passage in which basically Jesus is saying, if you want things to be right in your life, if you want it to be one of those things where God can bless it, if you want the best for what God has for you, it won't be easy to go down that path. And here's how he says it. He says, and there are many who go by it, talking about the previous path, the easy way. But, and then he says, because narrow is the gate, difficult is the way which leads to life. Leads to life. And there's few who actually find it. There's few who actually experience what God desires them to experience in this life. And guess what? In the case we're talking about today, it comes by way of forgiveness. So look at the introduction. There are reasons you do not forgive. And there's several I want to list here. The one who hurt you does not deserve forgiveness. How many of you felt that way before? They don't deserve it. And, and guess what? They don't. Just like you don't deserve to be forgiven. But you are. Secondly, the one who hurts you has not suffered enough. Isn't it amazing how we think that? We think that the one who hurt us, if we will shun them long enough or we will push them to a side or whatever, we think we're actually bringing the punishment. But you know what I found in the midst of my own hurt and some, talking to some of you? I have found that we are the ones punishing ourselves in this event. Thirdly, and lastly, to forgive them will make you feel vulnerable. You see, what happens when we get hurt, we go into protection mode. We want to protect ourselves from ever feeling hurt again. And so that's when we stop trusting people. That's when we stop all those things. But the biggest thing is we begin to try to protect ourselves. And, and what we remember about, uh, about the hurt is with that person, you became vulnerable with them at times. That confiding friend, that family member, maybe someone in the church. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm not going to let that happen again. And so one reason you don't forgive is because you're too busy protecting yourself and you don't want to be vulnerable once again. And I get that. But the point is, God says the best way is to move past that, is to face it and move past it. So before we go any further, I want you to look on your outline. Forgiveness is not minimizing the woundedness of your heart. It's not one of those things where you've been wrong or hurt, and, and, he, and basically God say, okay, I want you to, to deny it. I want you to accept it. It has nothing to do with that. Don't minimize the hurt. The hurt is hurt. And for many of us, we have to feel it. We have to feel it. That's our way of basically coming in and understanding what we're dealing with. And so one thing that we got to understand is we, we, sometimes it pays to feel the pain. I've talked to people over the years. And the one thing that I find is once, you, once they get to a point of brokenness, and all of a sudden, here's what hits their mind. I need to talk to someone about this. I need to talk to someone. So they come in, and what happens, and this could be something they bottled 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And all of a sudden, God's moved them to this place of brokenness, and they got to talk to someone. And then what I've found is they, just, they begin to describe the pain. All of it comes coming back to them, and, and it's very emotional for them. But we're not talking about basically minimizing that. We're talking about dealing with it. Secondly, forgiveness is not forgetting the hurt caused by your offender. We've all heard the cliché. Forgive and forget. Has that ever worked for anybody in the room? It doesn't happen that way, does it? 
Matter of fact, what I found, the deeper I've been hurt, the fact I never forget it. How many of you agree with that? You never forget it. But the point is, right now, as you remember it, and you're still in your hurt and the woundedness of your heart, guess what? There's no victory in that. So when you think about probably one of the biggest things that's happened in your life, you look at that thing in the face of defeat. When God wants to bring you victory over everything that this world throws at you. And so you're sitting there, and and it's not a matter of forgetting it. It would be easier to forget it, but you'll never forget it. And the deeper the wound, the more you'll never forget it. But it doesn't have to be remembered as defeat in your life. It can be remembered as victory in your life. Next, forgiveness is not resuming necessarily a relationship with your offender without changes. There's some of you who have been hurt deeply. And and listen, when I put this down here, I'm not trying to give you a way out. Sometimes I believe reconciliation is the best way to go. I, I mean, I've been reconciled with people in my life that have hurt me, and they've been reconciled to me when I've hurt them. And and the fact is, the relationship sometimes could be better than it's ever been. But there are some cases where it's just not healthy. It's not a good thing. So this is one of the most misunderstood concepts about forgiving. Restoring a relationship and forgiveness are two different things. Some relationships should not be restored. The ones that are healthy, unhealthy, the ones that are very manipulative, Ones that can be very abusive. And you see, you've got to understand, okay, God, what are you calling me to here? Are you calling me to the point uh, of recon- full reconciliation that the relationship can continue? I think a lot of times and most of the time, yeah, because there's a great exchange of grace when something like that happens. We can, we can become literally what God desires us to be in the life of that other person, to minister to that person. But for some of you, and I would say for a select few of you, when it comes to forgiveness, it doesn't automatically place you back in the path of abuse and all these other things. We need to weigh that. You need to see what that looks like, and we'll talk more about that later. And then resuming the relationship, sometimes it's not even up to you in the first place. Sometimes that person wants nothing to do with you. And do you know what the Bible says about that? Romans 12, 18. If it is possible... After you've done everything you know to do, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men, with all people. There's, 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 you have to understand that too. So just because this person won't have anything to do with you, just because there, there's this hurt that hangs between the, uh, the two of you, you've done everything you know to do, guess what? That, God's okay with that. It live at peace with others as long as it depends upon you. And your responsibility. And then this. Forgiveness is realizing, uh, realizing it is supernatural. As we flip the script here. What forgiveness is not to what forgiveness is. We need to realize it's supernatural. It's not natural. How many of you have picked up on that in your life? That it, is so, it almost seems unnatural to forgive someone. Our nature, our flesh, the carnality of our flesh will take us to a point where we want revenge and we want to handle and we're going to hold and all that. That's the easy way in a lot of ways to some people. So what we got to understand is that forgiveness is supernatural. 
If you're going to live a life that follows God's direction and brings you blessings from him, you need to realize that forgiveness is a difficult process and few even desire to even find it. But that's what God wants. He wants to bring us. So how many of you have asked the question, how often do I forgive a person? How often? How often do I keep uh, releasing my right to get even? How often do I have to keep blessing them when they do evil to me? When Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, how many of you again are thankful for Peter in the Bible? He always asks the questions we all want to know, doesn't he? And he does right here. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall I forgive uh, my brothers? Uh, How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And then he says, he offers a solution. Up to seven times? Now, some of you look at that and say, where would he come up with that number? Seven times? Peter, basically, when you think about what he's asking, Peter is asking, is there a limit to forgiving a person? Now, let me ask you a question. Let's just be honest this morning. Do you really want there to be a limit on forgiveness? Think about your own life. Do you really want a limit on forgiveness? I don't. I think about my relationship with the Lord. I mean, I hate to be the one, maybe the only one to admit it here this morning, but I, I at times need a lot of forgiveness. And I'll be honest with you, I'm glad my salvation provides me a way that I can be forgiven in my own stupidity. How many of you can get a, you feel that? Okay, yeah. And so when it comes to limits on that, Peter said seven times. Some have asked, where do you get the number for one? The number from? Well, Jewish tradition, this is not in the Bible, this is something that they built in, basically said you are to forgive someone three times. After three times, it becomes something completely different. So when you think about what Peter did and what he probably knew, he doubled it and he added one to it. You see what he did? And he's basically, but the question really isn't seven times. He's asking, is there a limit to forgiveness? Which leads us to this. Forgiveness is repeating the process as long as necessary. How many of you are just so blessed this morning to hear that word? Matthew 18, verse 22. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, any of you mathematicians sitting in the room would say, okay, now we've got our number from Jesus himself. 490 times, I forgive this person, 491, everything's game at that point. That's not what Jesus was saying either. You see, so many times we we see this. What Jesus was trying to say is grace is, there is no limit to it. And by the, by the way, if you're sitting there and you're counting up the 490, you got bigger problems than what you think you're reading here, okay? Because there's something else going on there. So Jesus, the one who gave us grace, is basically saying grace has no limit. Paul wrote in uh, Romans 5.20, here's what he said, More, uh, Moreover, the law entered, okay, the law entered, okay, we got the law of God, that the offense may abound that we would realize that we are not holding up to the law. So then when we disobey, when, when we've drawn an offense to the law, it's hanging out there. 
But because of what Jesus did, where sin abounded, where it took us, grace abounded much more. How many of you are thankful for that? And that is a verse that gives us a clue about forgiveness. So where you were offended, where that sin took, took the whole originality of what the offender did to you and what you're doing with it, guess what? God brings the possibility through Jesus that grace can supersede that. And how many of you are thankful for that? And he's basically saying, if we're going to take on the nature of Jesus, if we're going to take on the nature of the kingdom of God, then guess what? We, we better be ready to forgive. That's what he's telling us. Next, forgiveness is reckoning forgiveness is a virtue of the kingdom of God. That word reckoning, I, I chose very carefully because it means to calculate, to come to an understood conclusion. And our understood conclusion about forgiveness is this. It's of the kingdom of God. If you want to live in the realm of the kingdom of God, you forgive. You forgive. That's the virtue of the kingdom of God. And that's something, if we're a part of the kingdom of God, that's what it's going to be for us. So all of a sudden, Jesus takes off on where Peter started the conversation. In verse 23, he gives us a parable of forgiveness. So he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven... It's like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had to make that payment. Well, the servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will repay you all. Now, what we're going to find out later is this. What he owed, he, he didn't have enough lifetimes to pay it back. We'll find that out in a minute. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. See, when a follower of Jesus forgives, they are living in the reality of their new nature they're not only living in the reality of their new nature, they're living in the reality of the principles of the kingdom of God. They're living in that realm. So, basically, what we're seeing here, if we want to live virtuously in the kingdom of God, we will forgive. Next, forgiveness is relinquishing the right to get even. Now, this is the real heart of forgiveness. You don't seek revenge. In Romans 12, 19, it says this. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Now, let me ask you a simple question. Can you trust God to take care of it? You can. You can trust him to take care of it. They're not, they're not getting away with anything. They've got to deal with it. And he's going to see that they have to deal with it. Now, as it pertains to your life, you will be hurt. You live in this life, count on it. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be hurt badly at, at, at a lot of times. And you've just got to understand that comes with the disparity of the world in which we live. It's like we said the first week. We're constantly bumping into people's insecurities. We're constantly bumping up into people's dysfunction. And many times when the emotions and everything is heightened, that's what falls on us. Just like what we do to other people. And we need to understand it's a part of life. And revenge, listen, never releases resentment. Even after you've gotten revenge, you're still full of resentment. Matter of fact, 
Only thing you've done is inflamed your anger. That's really all you've ever, that's all really what you've done. You've inflamed the anger. So Matthew chapter 18, look at verse 28. But that servant, the same one who was forgiven, went out, found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him. Now, he wasn't trying to heal him. Look what he did. He grabbed him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe me. So the one who's been forgiven of something he didn't have enough lifetimes to live to repay, all of a sudden he turns and he's demanding payment. You see, when a follower of Jesus does not forgive, they're living in contradiction to the life God has given them. They're living in a contra contradiction. So your forgiveness, listen, is not conditional or based on the offender's actions. If, in other words, forgiveness you grant is not based on someone else's response. Real forgiveness is unconditional. It is not earned not deserved and not paid for. So the forgiveness, some of you are sitting there and here's what you're thinking. Well, if someone can't, here's what you're saying. I will forgive if, what are you doing? You're putting conditions on your forgiveness. I'll forgive if. That's not true forgiveness. Doesn't matter where the offender is. The offender may be seeking to, to hurt you and hurt you and hurt you more. Yeah, you need to reevaluate what the relationship needs to look like, maybe some boundaries or whatever it may look like. But the point is, you got to realize that that's, it's not earned. How many of you are so glad that you didn't have to earn the forgiveness that was given unto you through Jesus Christ? It's the same thing what we're looking at with other people. It's not earned. It, it, no way can it feel. You see, they are not taking, here, here's what's happening. Sometimes what you're doing is you're saying, I'll forgive if they'll take responsibility for what they did to me. Now, that would be a great thing, wouldn't it? That would make it a lot easier to forgive someone. If they came to you and they said, I, I apologize, I want to take responsibility for what I've done. That, that's easy. That, that's an easy one there, I think. But boy, you go, you turn, you, let's just say that never comes to that. You still forgive according to God's word. Next, forgiveness is responding to evil with good. Matthew 18, 29. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet, begged him saying, have patience with me and I'll pay you. Same argument he gave the other guy. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Jesus comes along in Luke chapter 6. He says this, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. How many of you are like, man, that's great advice. I'm going to start living that way, you know? This is hard to live up to, isn't it? Think about what he's saying. There's four verbs here in this verse. Love. You know what it literally means? Care for those who hurts you? I personally think that it has an underlying meaning. That, 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 that you care for them enough that you desire God to save them. You want God to save them, especially if they don't know the Lord, the one who's hurt you, for God to save them. Now, why would you want God to save them? So, so they'll come to you and say, I take responsibility for the hurt I put in your life. God's no, that's not why you do that. But you should just care about their soul. 
Secondly, do good. You know what that literally means? It means do things that benefit those who come against you. Bam. How do you do that, you know? And then bless. Do not vilify those who come against you. Pray for from their salvation to their rebellious heart. Wow. This is part of the path to healing. This is part of the path to forgiveness. You return good for evil. Next, forgiveness is remembering you have been forgiven. Matthew chapter 18, verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. So he calls them back in, the one who wouldn't extend forgiveness. Now, let me do a debt comparison. In verse 24, this guy he calls in owed 10,000 talents. That's 60 million denarii. Okay, in verse 28, the one who owed him owed him 100 denarii. One denarii equals one day's work. Think about that. 10,000 talents would require for him to work 200,000 years. Are you, is it, can you pay that off? Absolutely not. Could never be repaid. 100 denarii is just over three months' work. So, you were forgiving, not because you deserved it, not because you earned it, but because you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as a result, and you have been forgiven. And so therefore, Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another, that literally means endure one another, and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Wow. That's painful. You see, why, why, why does he talk about it almost flippantly? The supernatural work of the cross, think about it. Jesus, while suspended between heaven and earth on a cross, said this, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Father, do not put their sin on their account, the sin that they've done unto me. Again, we must remind ourselves that forgiveness is not natural, but supernatural. And then we end with this. Forgiveness is a command, not a suggestion. Matthew 18, 33. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Think about it. He wasn't handed over to the executioners. He was handed over to the torturers. This is not a picture of loss of salvation, but one of a broken relationship with not only the offender, but also with the Lord himself. When I was holding on to my pain and my hurt and all that, there was a disconnection between me and God. I don't know about you and where you are, but for me, there was a disconnection. The reason is, listen, the reason it is a command is because God knows what's best for you. I saw this quote yesterday, actually. It says this, the reason the Bible is not man-made is because it goes against everything we have within us. 
If it were man-made, it would suit us, wouldn't it? And, and that's what we got to understand. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. So here's the application. I want to ask the praise team to just come on up. Here's the application. To reject the anger you feel towards someone, to rid yourself from the bondage of bitterness, and to forgive unconditionally, here's what you must do. Acknowledge the hurt you have towards God for allowing the hurt into your life. Secondly, acknowledge that you're, you are anger, your anger, bitterness, and unforgiving spirit are wrong and confess it as sin. Next, realize that the charges you have against the person who hurt you must be dropped. And then lastly, realize all judgments against the person who hurt you must be counseled. Now let me ask you something. Is that even painful to hear this morning? I'm sure it is. But here's what you got to keep in mind. Forgiveness is a process, not an act. Very few people move from pain to forgiveness just like that. You know what I've noticed? That moving from pain and suffering and hurt to forgiveness is much like grief working through grief. You're going to have all kinds of emotions. You're going to have a range of different things going on in your life. But the thing you've got to realize is it is a process God is doing in your life. So I want to ask you at this point, would you stand to your feet? And I just want to ask you where you are this morning. Why are you? And, 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 and I want you to really understand this this morning, that you're not alone in your hurt. You're not alone in your hurt. Everywhere I go, every person I talk to, if you listen to people long enough, they'll tell you where they hurt. If you know how to read between the lines, they'll tell you where they're hurting. And you know what I found? Every one of us has a hurt story. The question is this, when you look at your hurt, do you see defeat or victory? The only way it becomes victory is through Jesus Christ, through him doing a work in your life. And so here's what we're gonna do. We're getting ready to sing a song, and what I wanna ask you to do, we have prayer partners up here this morning. Someone that you'd like to pray with you, we'd love for you to go. They'd love to pray with you this morning. If you just want to kind of get to yourself, there's some stairs on the ends here, some steps. You can get around those steps, just bypass them, go to those steps. But if you mean business, you want God to do a work in your life, do what he's calling you to do this morning. Maybe you need someone to pray with you. We have them up here this morning. Would you pray with us? Father, we just come to you now and we just pray you'll move as only you can move. Father, it's been amazing to see what you've done in people's lives over these last couple of weeks. And Father, we just pray that it continue. Lord, that as we sung earlier, that that resurrection that happened back then will be a resurrection that happens now because we see that supernatural work of forgiveness in our lives. Father, do what only you can do in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen.